Listeners, I'm thrilled to tell you that ParCast's first book is now available. It's called Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them. And you can order it today at parcast.com slash cults. The creation of this book wouldn't be possible without our incredible fans. We thank you and can't wait for you to read it. To commemorate this launch, we've been highlighting 10 cults and cult leaders featured in the book. We've already covered the first five, and we continue today with Broke Terrio and his brutal control over the Ant Hill kids. Enjoy this clip and order your copy of Cults Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them. Discover terrifying details never explored on our Cults podcast before. Visit parcast.com slash cults to order your copy today. Decades before Roke brutalized and slaughtered the members of his own cult, Roke himself apparently had it rough as a child. As an adult, he told the women who loved him horrifying stories of his parents' physical abuse. Roke told Giselle, one of his wives, that his father badly injured him by punching him in the stomach. Roke also claimed that his father pushed him down the stairs somewhere between the ages of 9 or 12, which resulted in him getting stomach ulcers. Roke even used this alleged abuse as an excuse for his actions in a letter to the sister of his murder victim. He wrote in part, quote, I am from a family in which I was mistreated and beaten worse than a dog, from the age of two until 14, when my father, having beaten me, threw me out of the house and told me never to set foot in it again, end quote. It makes for a harrowing tale. I can see why people might be willing to forgive some of the horrible things Roke did if he had that kind of a childhood. That's what the men and women who followed Roke, and even many of the psychiatrists who analyzed him, also believed, that he deserved forgiveness after overcoming such a terrible childhood. There's only one problem. Just about everything Roke wrote about his childhood is a lie. Vanessa's going to take over on the psychology here. Vanessa's not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but she's done a lot of research for this show. Vanessa, what do you make of Roke's behavior? What did he have to gain by making up such atrocious lies about his own family? Well, Roke used his alleged history of childhood abuse as a way of excusing his own horrendous abuse of his followers. And in doing so, he was using a psychological tactic commonly employed by abusers called victim playing. Victim playing is an insidious manipulation technique. By playing the victim, Roke could avoid taking the blame for beating up, torturing, or even murdering his followers. It wasn't his fault because all of his behavior stemmed from his own abuse as a child at the hands of his parents. He was the real victim. So Roke's victim playing let him victimize others. Exactly. Roke's victim playing and manipulation of his childhood narrative fits with his diagnosis and with his father's description of his manipulative behavior as a child. But did this victim playing tactic really convince people that he shouldn't be held responsible for torturing people or murdering them? Mm. Roke's victim playing worked like a charm, and he didn't just use it to manipulate his followers and keep them from leaving him. He was able to successfully trick multiple prominent psychologists into pitying him and forgiving his terrible actions. And this wasn't the only lie that Roke told about his childhood in order to manipulate others. As an adult, he wrote a rambling memoir where he waxed poetic about his connection to nature as a child. After he was arrested for murder in 1989, he claimed to Dr. Malcolm, a top Torontonian psychologist, that at age six, he'd spent a day peacefully frolicking with a mother bear and her two cubs. He also claimed he was paralyzed from ages six to eight. 
He further claimed that in 1954, at approximately age seven, he had a vision where he was playing St. Joseph in a theatrical production. Then he actually received the role a year later. This somehow led to his alleged knowledge of medicine and his ability to mend broken arms and legs. None of this sounds even remotely true, which is probably why Dr. Malcolm described Roke's lies as myth-making. Child abuse may have at least been believable to gullible strangers who didn't know Roke's parents, but why would Roke make up obviously false legends about his childhood? Well, by creating these myths, Roke was using a tactic common among cult leaders known as mystical manipulation. In other words, he was reinventing his own story as a way of proving his spiritual superiority over regular humans. Mm. Despite Roke's stories as an adult that he suffered from child abuse and that he was friends with woodland creatures, Roke's actual childhood was quite normal, according to his family and childhood friends. Roke wasn't kicked out of his house when he was 14. He continued to live happily at home. As an adult, Roke frequently depicted his father as a violent alcoholic. But neighbors and friends don't remember Hyacinth Terrio as a drunkard. Hyacinth also denied physically abusing Roke. He is quoted as saying, I never beat the boy, but I punished him when he needed it. And Hyacinth had good reason to discipline Roke. His son was a manipulative and incorrigible liar who refused to accept responsibility for his actions. Whenever Hyacinth caught Roke stealing or smoking, Roke always had an excuse for why one of his other siblings was really at fault. Thanks for listening. Remember to order your copy of Cults Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them. It's now available in hardcover and as an audiobook at parcast.com slash cults.